Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. Misha. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, you too. It's good to see you. Thank you. I'm I'm drinking my seltzer. I'm staying I hydrated. I saw that you are technically drinking water. <laughs> it's a good resolution. I've come a long way. I've come <laughs> a long way since the beginning days of raisin hydration over here. But I do also have a coffee. It's less exciting for you. I have an oolong tea. Mm. I'm a big fan, but it's really easy to oversteep and it gets really gross and bitter. And I would say about 50% of the time I burn it or oversteep it, but then I still drink it because I don't want to waste it. Is there caffeine in oolong? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're like, okay, so maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Once in a while, I'll do like a green tea, but I don't love the flavor. You know what? It reminds me of seaweed, which I also do not like. Mm, oh. I don't know if I've ever said this on the show, but I don't like sushi. I don't like the rolls because of the seaweed. Sometimes I'll get them with rice paper. I know this is like people are shocked to find. I am shocked. My mouth is on the floor right now. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what I'm sharing. This is the year of sharing. I like that. Mm-hmm. The texture freaks me out. I will eat like sashimi, but yeah, rolls. Nope. Wow. Mm-mm. Oh, sometimes I just order yeah I don't know I'm I have to reframe how I see you in my mind (laughs) sometimes I just order the seaweed salad it's so good I love it but I know I can see why it's easy to see why I think why people wouldn't like it Adam doesn't like it either but he will actually do sushi okay got it yeah I don't know what it is for me like the the taste of the sea (laughs) I'm weird with seafood in general like it freaks me out Oh yeah, because you're you're vegetarian. Well, for the most part, I'm eating chicken now. So I pescapoyotarian. <laughs> My cousin the other day said, "Socially, you know, I'll eat poultry socially." Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. So, what else is new? Um, should we? We we'll probably do more on resolutions. I know. I think both of us are on the same page that we're not really mm-hmm. resolutions. Like, if you want to do it, just do it now or do it then, kind of thing. But do you have any anything you want to share? Um, well, if I were to do a resolution this year, it would be to take risks. I think that's like my, um, I guess that's my, re- that's my resolution every year or my goal. But before this call, we were rehearsing for prize fighter, which will be happening next month. And it feels like so scary, but I love that. It feels in- like scary in a good invigorating way. That's exciting. What other risks come to mind? Like skydiving or <laughs> career oriented mostly? No, like maybe maybe like taking a class of something I've never done before. Yeah. And I know I'm going to yeah. suck at and just because I'm interested. Yeah, I know. I'm about to go to Norway for almost two weeks by myself. Well, at, first of all, I want to hear about your your uh, resolutions, but I also want to ask you what happens when there's a ghost in your room and you can't put your foot out of the blanket. Who's going to help you? 
you have no idea how sad I am that you're not going to be there. And I know you have things going on in your life, but I feel a little abandoned. I'm making the most of it. I think it'll be really, I think people should do things. I've taking risks is so good. I think people should do things that they're afraid of. And I've always wanted to travel and writer's residencies is such a great way to do it. I like your thing about taking risks. I have a balanced resolution this year because I had a lot of big goals and I just kind of want to be writing all the time and I don't always have time for that. But I also really want to get up on my oboe lessons. And I almost signed up for German lessons before the end of the year, but I just didn't have the time and energy. I almost signed up for like tut- a tutor in person, which I feel like is such an easier way to learn language than than um you know, trying to do it yourself. It's like, yeah. you have a teacher keeping you on task. Um, but I didn't. And, and so I think it's partially like, I know I want to do those things, but is this the season of my life to be letting my energy tributaries flow <laughs> when I have like these other goals? So I'm trying to be okay with, with that and not feel bad that I want all these, have all these things I want to do and I can't do them all immediately right now. Yeah. I like to make dumb little drawings. That's my, the one thing that I let like art, like doing art, I feel like can, doesn't get in the way at all. Yeah. So I do my quick. viral drawings. Yeah. With little quotes, but I'd love to be a watercolor painter. Yeah. I love watercolor. I think it's like such a soothing, portable little treat. I'd love to take a class in that, in pottery, in language. <laughs> An oboe, yeah. <laughs> I need to retire so I can do all the things I want to do that old people get time to Full-time do. Full-time hobbyist. But that, you're already retired, so you don't have, you know what I mean? What like are you? T- <laughs> Never. There's a cat. Hi, kitty. Hi. Oh. He's got his little perch. Little babe. Oh, there's another cat. There's there's three. What? Four. Like, I'm, like so You're like, oh, <laughs> I'm so jealous. You're like, I'm so jealous. Baby. Oh, would you like some? What yes. color would you? Which one? <laughs> oh my what gosh. Color? Do you have a color preference? I've got um, one of every kind. Well, we saw your know. blurb in your bio about the Humane Society. So yeah. And my husband, I used to, I always rescued and I always fostered. I always had my like one or two pets and then a foster. And my husband was not into fostering. And I was like, babe, we got a foster. Come on. We have a big house. We can do this. And then every time we fostered, he wanted to keep it. And so like, it just kept growing and growing. And then I, and I was like, oh, all right, we, we're, we cannot foster anymore because at one point we had 10 cats and four dogs all oh at one time. I have a foster fail myself, so I feel that. My very first foster. Your only foster. I did great. That wasn't really. Yeah. Yeah. She's been here a year. Every day I'm like, I cannot believe you got through the system. I know. And and it's like you, we know we 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 go to people's houses to do to like check them out to see if and we're like, well, our house is nicer than that. And we're not we're better people than them. And <laughs> he's getting along so well with all the with all the others. And like, how can we rip them away and take them to those people? And oh that's how they get you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna read your bio and then we're gonna jump in, Regina. Okay. Today on the show we have Regina Banali. 
Her cinematic journey began at the tender age of three when she watched 2001 A Space Odyssey as her inaugural theater experience. She's traversed the globe alongside rock stars after initially venturing into modeling and fine art painting, attracting collectors like Francis Ford Coppola. Like many directors, initiated her career in front of the lens, accumulating over 40 film and television roles across both modest and blockbuster productions. Her debut role included portraying a mermaid in Steven Spielberg's Hook. In 2008, she transitioned to the role of director, crafting PSAs for the Humane Society of the United States, rallying celebrities for animal rights causes. Her directorial debut came in the form of Quiet Riot, Well, Now You're Here, There's No Way Back, a documentary on the 80s metal band Quiet Riot. A passionate advocate for actor safety, she frequently addresses festivals and acting schools on combating sexual harassment and promoting mental health in the industry. The narrative took a poignant turn in 2019 when her husband, Frankie Benali, was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Assuming leadership of Quiet Riot while being his caregiver, Regina managed the band's affairs after his passing, maintaining trademarks, restructuring operations, and revitalizing the business side. She orchestrated the return of the original member, Rudy Sarzo, secured a new agent, and oversees the band's busy schedule of 60 shows annually. Regina also navigated merchandise rights, initiating the production and sale of Quiet Riot merchandise. Beyond her artistic pursuits, Regina is a dedicated philanthropist, throwing her support behind cherished causes like Music Cares, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, and the Ronnie James Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund. Currently residing in LA, she is immersed in developing a narrative feature film for her directorial endeavors. Welcome to the show, Regina. That's Mm -hmm. quite a bio. Thank you. I don't even know where to start, so I'm going to jump in with what are you juggling this week? Okay, this week, uh, tonight, I am guest lecturing at an acting class on how to do love scenes in movies and TV shows without uh, crossing you know, uh, your boundaries or someone else's boundaries or getting sexually harassed or feeling sexually harassed. Um, that's tonight. Tomorrow, Quiet Riot is playing the whiskey, and so I will be there. And then Saturday, Quiet Riot is playing a charity event in Phoenix for Alice Cooper's charity. It's called Christmas Pudding. It's a yearly, it's an annual event that benefits a youth program in the Phoenix area. So we will be there for that. The next day I'll be going to Vegas because on Monday, Eddie Trunk is having his 40th, his party celebrating 40 years in the industry. So I will be there attending that. So that's this week. Sounds like a fun week. Yeah. <laughs> is that a typical week for you? No, it's it's a bit heavy. It's it's not usually that heavy, but I aim to make it that heavy. I'm 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 determined to make every week as busy as this one from here on out. Do you tend to go to a lot of shows or? No, I don't really go to a lot of Quiet Riot shows because most of them are not near me Mm. and there's no need for me to be there. So I don't usually go unless it's a big event that, you know, like M3 maybe or uh, like in another country. Sometimes I'll go, but um, I don't go to a lot of the shows I go to a lot of charity events and uh, parties and things like that. Networking. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sounds fun. Sounds like a wonderful week. 
Um, your bio was magical, and this is our first episode after the new year. And so Chandra and I were kind of talking about New Year's resolutions, but maybe one of mine now is to be transformed into a mermaid on screen. <laughs> That's everyone's dream. But um, the bio was wonderful. But what is something else that listeners might be surprised to hear about your life that we haven't mentioned yet? Hmm. What is surprising? I'm I'm pretty good at reinventing myself. I've done it a number of times, but I think that my bio kind of says that. So that might not be so surprising. I don't know. I'm pretty transparent. I don't hide a lot. Where are you from? South Carolina. Okay. That might be surprising. That might be surprising. <laughs> I'm from a small town in South Carolina and I came from extremely poor circumstances with no support and no one around me that did what I wanted to do or encouraged me in any way. So I literally left home with a hundred dollars and went to New York city by myself. One of our previous guests is a similar story from rural Florida and did the same thing. Just went up to New York without, you know, any backup. One of the most terrifying places to like venture off to on your own, you know, you're like, yeah. And I, and I had networked and made a few friends that said like, oh, you can crash at my, on my couch or you can work in my studio. And I read at that time, I found this little booklet on Madonna that was her life story, which was very thin because it was like the mid eighties. So <laughs> how much of a life story did she have? But it said in there that she went to New York city with $35. And I thought, oh my God, I have a plan. <laughs> I can do that and you know what it works so thank thanks Madonna wow that's amazing what was your first job I worked at uh this photographer named Mark Weiss that I met backstage at Live Aid he said I could I could be an assistant in his studio so I worked in his studio and I also worked as a receptionist at Electric Lady Studios on 8th Street in Manhattan we used to live right over there, my husband and I, for like a brief speck of our lives. And we would always walk over because my husband's like a huge Hendrix fan um, and just stare at it. It creeps. Yeah. When I was there, it still had the purple carpet on the walls and the murals. So cool. So much history yeah. there. My God. Yeah. Join us next August to discover the delicious vino of the Lisbon region on a six-day journey of creative exploration, wine tasting, and visits to the vineyards and producers of the area. In Portugal, our days will be filled with creativity, culture, libation, and good company. Discover more at linktree backslash bandwives and sign up for your next big adventure today. What are three things you're proud of? Well, I'm proud of having been in, in Hook. That was for a girl from the wrong side of the tracks that everyone said I couldn't do it. That was a pretty surprising accomplishment at the time. And still, I'm still really proud of that. I'm proud of my film that I, that I made. And I'm proud of what I've done with the band since Frankie's passing. We were super excited that you agreed to be on the show because I don't know that I've ever met anybody that, you know, in this industry as a bandwife or a spouse who ended up with that 
like legacy, right? That responsibility. And it's, I'm sure it's such a big thing that weighs on you knowing, you know, knowing your, your husband, but also the other members of the band and kind of being able to anticipate what they would have wanted and um, carry that on. Can you tell us about that process a little bit? Sure. Um, well, I was an untitled, unofficial wifeager from the time that Frankie decided to put the band back together in 2010. So he, we were working on that behind the scenes together while I was making the documentary that was chronicling that process. So I don't know if you've seen the film, but the pre- the present day storyline of that documentary is is documenting him putting the band back together after his singer had passed. So I was filming it and then also working with him on it behind the scenes. So I knew where the bodies were buried. And also, mm-hmm. but from doing the, you know, when you do a documentary, you have to do endless research. So I had researched this band to death. So I know literally every contract and every band member that came and went and every where literally all the bodies are, are buried. So when he first got sick, well, when he was, before he was sick, he was, he always ran everything by me. I wasn't the hands-on person running it, but we talked about everything. And so when he got sick, I knew what to do to take over for him with him still there. And then um, when he passed away, I really got to look under the hood of everything. And there was a lot of things that, that I didn't really know and wish I did know because we would have could have been more successful when he was alive. Mm-hmm. But he was very machismo. You know, he was an, an Italian. And even though he ran everything past me, he still was stubborn in a way. So there were things, and there were certain things that I that I said I don't think you should do that that way, and he didn't always go my way on certain things. But once I really got in that seat, and well, one of the first things that I did is I called a lot of rock widows and rock stars that run their own bands and people in the industry. And I really figured out, because also Frankie was very closed off. He learned the music business in 1983. And he was like, I know everything. I've learned it. I, no one can teach me anything. And he was kind of in a bubble. And he, mm-hmm. and business changes. And he wasn't up to date on a lot of things. And I was somebody who was like, listen, this is a, just landed in my lap. I need to talk to everybody. And it's surprising that some of the people that he trusted and believed in, some of them screwed me over and some people that he hated and talked terribly about showed up and helped. It surprised me, but that's how it, that's how it crumbled. That's how the cookie crumbled. It just played out in weird ways, but I was open to it. I was open to talking to everybody and really examining everything and I got rid of those people that weren't right and listened to the people that helped 
and it made a huge difference. That's fascinating. I mean, it sounds like fodder for another documentary or or a, fi- yes. a book, almost like just your own experience, but also a little bit of like a how to after a passing, you know, for, for those mm-hmm. who are left to navigate and best keep a legacy intact. Yeah. I, I've noticed, cause I've looked around at a lot of families that have, that are in charge of a legacy and I don't see very, very many that are doing well with it because most of them are not in the entertainment industry and they have their own businesses and pursuits and they don't know the first thing about it and they don't trust the right people. Like they don't just go to somebody who is good at it and say, please manage this for us. They don't. And they, and they act on their emotions and they think with their grief, they let their grief run their, make their decisions. They say no to everything because they think they're like protecting, like you're trying to exploit our loved one. And it's like, well, you're not doing anything with it. Yeah. So now no one gets to experience it. So I feel like that's not the way to do it. I'm really proud of how Riley Keough seems to really be have taken over the Elvis estate and is doing r- beautiful things with it, like that Christmas special. And she put herself in it and she's like the face. She's like, hey, this is my grandfather and we're going to do this. And it's 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 such a beautiful tribute and that's what I want to do. I like that. Yeah, like rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Find new find new ways to put things out there and 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 wave the flag for that person. People are so fascinated by whatever part of these people they could kind of see and anything that you can give them feels like such a gift. Letting letting that live on. God. I'm so sorry. I saw your cat jump up in for a second because I live in New York City. I literally thought there was a rat behind me. Like I just internalized it as a rat behind me jumping. I would watch your cat stairs YouTube channel, by the way. I'm not joking. I would sit here and watch them having fun and being sassy. But yeah, live stream. Live stream. (laughs) So, um, Maybe we can talk more about some of the advice that you would have given our previous conversation, but just in general, what advice do you have for other band spouses out there, whether it's tips, tricks, or psychological encouragement? Well, I hesitate to give specific tips because no two situations are the same. I have seen wives insert themselves in ways that actually get their husbands fired. I have seen that. So I can't say to every wife, like, get involved, get in there and see what's going on because sometimes they don't do the right things. It's too nuanced Mm -hmm. to say everyone should do X or Y or Z. I have also seen, uh, well, I've seen a lot of bands that don't even have their band name trademarked because they don't think they, it doesn't, it just doesn't get thought of or like it's not a pressing issue because they're the guy in that band and they don't think, well, what, well, who else is going to, you know? And like, for example, there's one band that I can think of that there was only one guy left. He didn't have a trademark on his band. 
and he died suddenly. And what happened was while his wife was grieving immediately after his death, the other guys in the band who were all replacement members said to the wife, like, we've got all these gigs coming up. Can we just keep going with it? And she was like, okay. And then they went and trademarked the name. Then when she kind of got wised up, it was like, now she's got a battle over the trademark when really they should have had the trademark and it should have gone to her. And then she should have been in control of the band going forward and been running it. It's amazing with the legal stuff. I mean, in any, in any way, and I'm sure, you know, in, in your experience, things like, you know, nobody wants to do the not fun stuff. And I think mm-hmm. when you start a band, you're young, usually your kids, you don't think about the business end of things. And, and then eventually it's like, well, that's the boring shit. I don't want to like, deal with that. I don't want to write a will. I don't want to have a trust. I don't want to do these things because it just doesn't feel sexy. And then it ends up being like such a detriment. Yeah. That's the other thing. Not having a, not having a a trust is a big mistake. So really if someone is a founding member of a legacy act, they should have a trademark that should be in the name of an LLC. And the members of that LLC should be you and your spouse. Although, however, if I I can say that to somebody, but then what if they had had a nasty divorce and then her name was on the LLC and then he would have had to have like bought her out of that. It could go multiple ways. So there is no right answer for everybody except for lock it down somehow. When we, when I got married, my, uh, our business manager said something along the lines of like, make decisions when you like each other. And maybe that's um, something that can be applied to a band relationship, to a love relationship, like decide these things, the way things will be kind of parsed out in the event of a separation or a band breaking up, because it's it's just like, you don't know, you, you know, you like each other now, do it when you have the other's best interest at heart later on, which, you know, I'm sure there are people who are like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I was actually talking to w- one of my girlfriends who's a uh, who's a music business attorney. And we were saying like, we should just have a retreat where we take all these band wives somewhere and we'll be like, yeah, it's a spa retreat. And then we go there and we're like, okay, this is, okay, there's, this is what, this is called sound exchange. This is where his, this is going. And then there's the, and then there's either BMI or, and like teach all these wives are like, here's where the money is coming from. Here's where to go and make sure that you're a beneficiary on all of these things, on all of these accounts, that sort of thing. Yeah. There's just, it's such a strange industry. And, you know, even filing taxes at the end of the year, it's like you're getting paid out by 50 states and, yeah. and countries. Like, how do you, it's very complex. So smart. Well, and it's important for the wives to know for their own self, you know, because it is such an interesting industry and nothing is it's a clear cut. It's like a pension, for example, mm-hmm. you know, or from like a, from a government job, but also because a lot of the the husbands might not know these details or be aware of all the ins and outs of the contracts mm-hmm. or how it's all paid out of the trademarks, because it's not the fun stuff. It's not the sexy stuff. And also, you know, as soon as you reach a certain like benchmark, every that all that stuff is outsourced and out of your hands for better or worse, which can be a little scary. Well, it, I mean, it can be, but that's risky as well because there's booking agents and 
managers who will say like, yeah, just let me take care of it. And then before you know it, they've registered the trademark in their name. And then you say, wait a second, what is this? Why is it in your name? Well, you know, I'm your manager and I, I oversee it. I need to have my, you know, and it's like, oh yeah. And then when I try to fire you, what happens? Another interesting documentary would be like uncovering all the crazy shit that happened in contracts and legal in bands through time. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, could yeah, be a exactly. podcast. Right. Yeah. Like, what are recoupable expenses? <laughs> I really appreciate your thoughts on, you know, the business end of things. Obviously, you're, you know, you're forging this really unique path, which is really cool. Can you speak um, a little bit to uh, advice for widows and widowers out there from like a grief perspective and just a process perspective? Do you have any insight that might help some of our listeners who maybe are going through sort of Mm. similar situations? Well, I, for me, it was like stepping into something that no, I I knew nothing about because I never thought about widowhood like I figured I'd be an old widow so when he when I knew he was going to pass away which we knew for 16 months you know you do the pre-grieving and I thought well I'll fall apart and then I will get over it and move on and you know because that's what you do when your parents die or your pets die siblings or your friends and what, having a spouse die is a very unique experience. And it has effects on you that you have no idea are coming and no one tells you about. And it's kind of hard to prepare for it. But like one of the things that I did was I went on to Facebook groups of widows And I'm in these groups with people that I have nothing in common with except for this. And so I know when, when something is similar with all of them as to me, I know that's what it is. Mm. And like, for example, I mean, I'm just, I'm honest with people. I tell everybody everything that happens with me. And, um, cause I don't, I don't think we're telling each other these things. Like one of the things that happens like you have a physical reaction like your body reacts to it like I never like how does that like I never in a million years thought your body could react and one of the things that you get is this thing called widow's fire and I like in my widow's groups and I was reading posts and people were mentioning widow's fire now and I said what is widow's I'm sorry what is widow's fire and somebody said oh it's when you're extra horny because your spouse died And I immediately wrote that off as bullshit. I was like, oh, come on. That's not a thing. That's just, you guys are horny and you're trying to blame it on that. I come on. I I just laughed at that and I completely disregarded it. And then one day I was on the phone with somebody that had a really sexy voice and I was like, oh my, is that happening to me? And I went through a period of where I was like ragingly horny all the time. And I'm like, I like, where is this coming? I'm like a 20 year old. So I went this back. Is not on there. Where I like, thought this was going, by the way, this is like, <laughs> and I was like, of course not. And I was like, guys, <laughs> what is happening to me? This is kind of, and they're like, oh yeah, welcome to widow's fire. It happens to every single one of us. 
you will have to find someone to like exercise this off onto. I was like, what? Why would that happen? I mean, like, what? My my husband dies in my arms, like, but a turn on? Like, why would that happen? And it's like you're processing this damage that has happened to you, and you're healing back in weird ways. In some ways, you're healing back stronger. And one of the things that life gives you is your libido from when you're 20 years old. I think it's just like, you, you're like, he died and I got to live and I want to live. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense in a way. It gets kind of has me emotional. It's like yeah. your body is like, get back into life and just, yes. yeah. I, you're it's really you're just desperate to survive and live and be happy. You're like, what could make me feel? And you, and you want to feel good because you're like, this feels so bad. What can make me feel good right now, right now, right now, right now. And that's one of Connection. those things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and also you're skin hungry because think about it. You have a husband that every single day you're touching each other. And then all of a sudden you're not touching anyone and you're literally skin hungry and you're just like craving, like oh, touching another person. Yeah, it's visceral. Mm-hmm. Well, these are, this is why this is an important conversation, right? Yes. Like these things were, and then I'm sure there's people who feel shame or guilt or like they should be grieving a certain amount of time and they don't want to jump back into life and all these things. It's a very, very complex conversation, obviously, but. Yeah. Uh, What they say is just like, whatever time is good for you, you're the one who lost someone. If for you, it's the next day, or if it's three years later, that's your decision and nobody should push you or make you feel bad about it. No. And all the scenarios are so varied too, with like how long someone might've been sick or how, you know, and all these different kind of how long you've had to grieve in other ways. And what's also interesting is that when I met Frankie, his estranged wife had died three months earlier. Mm-hmm. And even though they were, they were going to get a divorce, she had met someone else. They were living in, they were in separate bedrooms, raising their daughter they were already broken up between each other. But when she died, all of her friends expected Frankie to mourn for like a year. Like it was, and he met me right away. And, and a lot of people got mad at him, like her, her friends. And he was like, but she had another boyfriend. Why aren't you talking to the boyfriend to say like, where, (laughs) (laughs) and even his daughter was like, it's too soon. And, you know, it's like, well, that's really his decision. Yeah. And I even thought, I even thought I noticed his, how he was with me at that point, he would come over and just like, get on the couch with me and just hold me for like four hours until he had to go pick up his daughter at school, just wanting to hold me and not wanting to get up. And I would be like, don't you want to go do some? Oh, no. Okay. All right. We'll just, we'll just stay here and hug. Okay. And, and I was like, God, this guy is like love starved. What is that? He seems to be so, he's just clinging to me. And now I see that he had widow's fire. And that was how that was affecting him is that he was, was hungry for that affection. And that's how that played out. And 
because at the time I was thinking, this guy is probably just grieving and he's going to heal from this. And then he's going to wake up one day and go like, yeah, I'm not that into you. And he's going to break my heart. Like that's, I, I was fully expecting that to happen, but then we just got closer and closer and we got married. I was the first person that he dated immediately after his wife passed away. And I did not expect it to work out, but it did. But now I see he was in the same position that I am now in. He had witness fire. Wow. That's really fascinating. I never in my life have I heard that term before. And I bet there's a whole bevy of, of language that people just are not familiar with until they go through it. Yeah. I agree with you too. I really like what you said about how we're just not honest with people. And we're not, I felt that way after having children, I was like, I could not believe there were things that no one had ever told me about such a common experience. So I just feel like in general, we are not, we don't, we don't share the important stuff enough. I know. I guess it's shame maybe or. Yeah, it's strange. Well, this is our, this is kind of our big question and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Regina, what do you know to be true about yourself, the world and the universe? Well, the one true thing is nobody does anything that they don't want to do and everyone does what they want to do. So there's no persuading someone to do it. There's no threatening them or talking them into it or baiting them or bribing them. They will only do what they want to do and they won't do what they don't want to do. And, and accepting it is a healthy way to go through life. And if you want someone to do something, the only thing you can do is just plant a seed and let them think of it, make them think it's their idea. That is all you can do. There's no point in trying to twist someone's arm or plead or convince them or show them how they should do it or talk them into it. It's, it's just going to make them want to do it less. That's the one lesson that I've come to at this point that is true about everything. That's a very freeing sentiment. Yeah, because it takes you out of it and it's not about you. And it's just like, and there's nothing you can do about it. So don't try to mm -hmm. just let everybody do what they want to do. Whoever wants to show up will show up and whoever doesn't want to show up won't show up. And that's it. I love that. I feel like it can go both ways, like to the potentially like what, you know, might seem like, okay, well, I don't need to coerce anyone, even if I want to, but also on the positive side, because it's like, well, someone does show up, it's because they want to be there for you, or someone does stick around, it's because they want to be there with you, you know, and so it can be mm -hmm. rewarding as well. Yeah. And if somebody made a decision and later wants to take it out on you, it's like, you, in that moment, that was your choice. Mm -hmm. mm, that's good. I love that. We've actually never heard that on the show. And that was great. Thank you. We are jumping now into our rapid fire questions, which are way less pressure. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully. <All right. laughs> um, the first one is what are you binge watching, reading, or listening to right now? Not at this moment, just in general. <laughs> um, I am reading Robert Greene's book, uh, the Laws of Human Nature. I love his books. Um, I'm binge watching the Squid Game reality show because I've loved the Squid Game series. 
So that's what I'm currently binging. What um, happens today. in that? I'm so confused. They're not killing any. What like what is the consequence? Did you watch the the, the scripted series? Yes. Okay, I, well, well, I watched it, like a few episodes of it, not the whole thing, but I get the did gist. You of, watch the whole thing. It gave me so not? much anxiety. Yeah, no, I couldn't. No, it's way too like, dark for me. Yeah, I love dark violent. things, but I don't know if it was just the time period in which it came out that I was like, I can't handle this shit. Um, but <laughs> I was like a few episodes in, and I was like, I just can't deal with this right now. Well, they eliminate people just by they have this like squib thing that's like the black ink goes, it, it'll go like, and it'll be like um contestant number 269 has been eliminated and then they and they and they fake all over and they fake a death but they're not this makes me feel better i was like well they don't really die but what's funny is that that through this process the people around them that are there that that they're friends with the ones that because people are buddying up and stuff they mourn them as though they die Oh, that's not funny. That's really dark. <laughs> I know. They're like, no. <laughs> no. It's like, okay, he just got eliminated from a game. I guess if they're not going to get sent home, you yeah. can call him later. Like, it's okay. But well, all the news about that, like psychological distress, did you read that? <laughs> so maybe they were a little like disconnected from reality at that point there. Maybe. Or maybe they just want extra camera time and they're yeah yeah (laughs) i was on a trip with a friend though and then somebody just sent them home from the trip i would probably yeah that's true it's a good point did you get to listening to we're getting to listening oh listening to hmm what am i listening to i listen to a lot of old music i don't i i would like to hear new music and get inspired by new music I get inspired to look up artists when I see when I see a movie hmm. and I hear a song that I like. I should zam that that person and I listen to. But I I need to be better at finding new music because I'm really a fan of old stuff. Yeah, I relate to that. Sometimes I just go back to the same like not I do like the '90s, so it would be like a '90s playlist, and I'll be like. You know, and then my husband will be listening to some new station and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm resisting it. I feel like yeah. Adam's good at new music. He's way, way better than I am. OK, now this one can be tricky for some people. So I'm curious about your answer of what your theme song would be. Hmm. I've decided that my theme song is It's Raining Men by the Weather Girls. <laughs> oh it's perfect and we come full circle yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) oh you knew you knew that one Uh, god i haven't heard that song in a long time i need to get i need to get out more dance we should play it and dance around we should we should well if we have that um that like secret business bandwives get together that can be the song that like plays over the loudspeakers before we have our little conferences yes ideas yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We have one last question. Okay. It's been so insightful and fun talking with you. Um, our last question is, what is something small that you look forward to if you happen to have a whole day or night to yourself? No obligations. I watch movies. I love old spaghetti westerns. I love old movies from the 60s and 70s. I will rewatch something that I have seen so many times and I will find new things about it. 
I love watching movies. What would you recommend to get into for like, all I know is like the dollar late day short and a dollar, all those, you know, like, um, plenty oh, sweat. Yeah. Sergio Leone. Uh, yeah. Once upon a time in the old West is probably my favorite. I okay. love that one. Really special, expansive landscapes and so good. So good. Yeah. I made a, I made a music video for quiet riot that was a spaghetti western and then oh, i turned that into a short film put real spaghetti western music into it because we went to italy and i watched him film on tv and i was like oh my god i have to steal everything in this and put it into <laughs> and put it into a video or something and perfect i did and i starred him he we had actually done production on that shoot right before he got diagnosed so we were in the hospital and we were like, okay, we're going to cancel, cancel that trip. Can, okay. Who do we need to call? Um, okay. Obviously we're not going to shoot that spaghetti Western thing. He goes, no, no, no. I want to do that. And I was like, what, why do you want to do that? And he goes, I want to ride off into the sunset like a cowboy. Mm. And so we did. And he was so sick. It was hard to get through it, but he really wanted to do it. And I really wanted to do it. And it was a great experience for us together. In spite of him being sick, we got we got to do that together, and it was it's perfect image. It really to leave with. It's wonderful. Thanks so much for coming and chatting with us today. It was really it was really insightful and inspiring to hear your story. Thank you. It was so lovely to talk to you, ladies. We should you know get together sometime and have lunch if I come to the East Coast. Yeah. Yes. Or if you come out here, <laughs> we will go gladly. I'm I'm in. <laughs> Count me in. Let right. me know. Coming tomorrow. <laughs> cool. Uh, it was so nice to meet you. Well, hopefully, we stay in touch, and we're, we'll, we'll keep an eye on your projects. And excited and inspired by you, so we appreciate it. Yeah. I hope we talk again soon. Definitely. Have a good rest of your week. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Bye. Bye.